0: a series called Joy Full. Are you guys excited about moving yeah. into a new series without serpents on our screen? Right. <laughs> Coming out of the defense of the, against the dark arts, and we were just feeling like, okay, what are we going to do in Christmas? And, you know, just this idea of being people full of joy yeah. resonated. Not just being joyful, right? We can conjure up joy with a lot of things like small decorations on our island, Right? We all decorate for Christmas, most of us. Some of us do very small, slim pickings. Some of us are single and we're like, ah, I I would encourage you to do it anyway. (laughs) But we do these things, right, to like kind of bring in some kind of joy into our world. And I just want to encourage you today that I think there's a way to be people full of joy at all times. So that's what we're going to be digging into over the next couple weeks and over the Christmas season is how to be joyful people. So I wanna open with a story written by Donald Gray Barnhouse. Says this, an experience of this child of God may be a blessing to many. She wrote, one very rainy night, a little over a year ago, I locked my store and started home. There was a pouring, drenching, chilling rain and a high wind. An umbrella was useless, the cars were late, and I waited on the corner for three quarters of an hour. That's 45 minutes, if you don't wanna do the math. (laughs) I was soaked to the skin and chilled to the bone. Then I had to ride in two cold cars. When I reached home, there was no dry clothing laid out for me, there was no warm supper, the fires were banked, and the house was cold. Now the Lord has been good to me. He has blessed me with happy disposition. The blue devils do not trouble me often, but they were there that night, I thought. I will feed my kitten. I will not bother with any supper. I'll go right to bed and cry it out. Anybody been there? Men, we know that you cried out in the shower. We know you cry. So you don't have to hide it, it's fine. <laughs> there is never a day so dreary. So as she goes on, this is what the Lord tells her while she's laying in bed, crying it out. I began starting to remove my soap clothing and as I did, the Lord brought these words to my mind. There is never a day so dreary. There is never a night so long. But the soul that is trusting Jesus will somewhere, somehow find a song. Isn't that like a lot of our lives lately? Like we feel like that girl on the corner for 45 minutes, drenched in rain, freezing cold. Then we get home and there's nobody to make food for us. Or we're the ones that have to make the food. And our cat can't comfort us because it's a cat. And sorry, oh, just kidding. Sorry. Okay. Okay be nice no (laughs) but we go from complaint to complaint frustration to frustration and then we're reminded that Jesus those of us who know Jesus can find a moment of joy in any moment we can find a song we got to remember that the soul that is trusting Jesus will somewhere somehow find a song This Christmas we'll spend the next few weeks focusing on the joy of the season, not on the joy of the season, not even just on the joy of Jesus' birth, not even on the joy of my bottle brush Christmas trees at home on my island, but rather on the idea of how to be people full of joy. And I just want to encourage us that if we can embrace this idea, not even this idea, this truth that is biblical, that we are people full of joy, that God gives us joy, that that would change a generation. That would change the world around us. That would change our office spaces that we don't like. That would change our environments that we walk into. Maybe we live in a home that's tense. Whatever it is that in our disposition of being full of joy, we can change. The atmosphere. But it's been hard, right? After a few years of tragedy, painful discourse, canceled relationships, global pandemics, personal upheaval, you know, list it all. It's hard. We find ourselves searching for joy. So we do the simple things like decorate our house for Christmas and some of you just cannot wait. Literally this year, because we've been out of our house, I felt like everyone started Christmas October 31st. I was like, what are you doing? Stop. I can't do that. Stop. Too soon. I felt rushed. I felt like I already missed the season. It's literally only like December 5th today. I was like, oh, I missed the season. It's over. My life is over. And it would be if I'd got no gifts at Christmas, so just so you know. <laughs> but the reality is, is it's like that we recognize that story of that girl in the rain and in the drench and in the moments of trial, right? And then we read verses out of the Bible by a dead people named James. Verse 1-2, who says, consider it a joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. <laughs> okay, James. Sounds good, but it's actually quite hard, right? Because most of our stories do look like the cold, rainy day. But I just wanna believe that there's actual places to sing in the midst of our trials. And actually here, when the word joy is being used, it's metonymically meaning and referring to the trial actually being in the cause of joy. That's what he's saying. Actually, when I go through trials, I experience joy. What? How is that possible? I don't know, but that's what James is saying, is that we can be the people who, entertain trials we're like bring it on and I think that as we walk through this moment today you'll find that there's plenty of ways and the benefit of it is found in the next few verses in James three one three 1 3 through 4 where it says because after we count it all joy consider it a joy when we experience trials that because we did this we know that it's the testing of our faith which produces endurance And then that endurance has its full effect so that we'll be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Um, Mm. That sounds awesome. I wanna be mature. (laughs) You ever feel immature? (laughs) I turned 40 and I was like, I am not, I act like a 20 year old sometimes. (laughs) Just keeping myself young, on purpose. (laughs) Mature and complete, lacking nothing. So how do we get to that place where we are full of joy in every season and actually, a trial causes joy in us. Wow. It's an attitude of a person, not in a, not just an attitude of a person that believes in Jesus where we experience joy. Ultimately, it's an attribute of one who runs his life as one in the spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talked about that at the beginning. The Holy Spirit, it's the Trinity. If you don't know it, go to Grow. We'll give you a brief synopsis. And then in January, we're going to start some discipleship foundations moments where you can truly get to know about that. There's a little plug for that. Yeah. Joy is an attitude and an attribute. Okay? Galatians 5.22 reminds us that this is living in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So it's in living in the Spirit that we experience these things. Yeah. So that's one way to live in the spirit, but I want to propose another way that we also can cultivate joy in our lives. So let's pray real quick before we do that. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you, God, that we are in a building with each other. We're online, hopefully with friends and family, but if not, we are together as the church, God. I just pray today that as we speak and as I speak, God, that your words would just come out of my mouth, God. Lord, that your spirit would be in this place and that you would encourage those who hear my voice today, God. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So there's literally hundreds of verses throughout the Old and New Testament about joy. Here's a few that remind us that joy actually isn't that hard to obtain and maintain because of who our God is. Psalm 1611 says, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Yeah. Psalm 47 says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. Any of you have bread and wine abounding in your home? No, that's okay, you have joy, you got joy. Psalm 32, one through two. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Gosh, that's what it's all about. We can be joyful simply because our sin is covered. Our transgression is forgiven by the grace and the cross. By Jesus who died for us. Yeah. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. Yeah. Proverbs 17 a joyful heart is good medicine yeah. but a broken spirit drives up bones. Mm-hmm. You know when we look back at that story of that woman if she would have just gone to sleep and the Lord wouldn't have kind of settled the peace in her home of like hey remember because you know me because you trust me You can actually sing a song right now. You can actually be thankful. You can actually be full of joy. But in our in our complaining, in our frustrations, when we stay in that place, there's a warning here in Proverbs that your broken spirit can be dried up bones. So we got to be careful. We got to go to our joyfulness that is in the Lord, and be encouraged, and allow that to be the medicine in the midst. Right? So great. It's promise. Joy. We can be full of it. It requires some work though. Everything does. Sorry. Don't become a millionaire of joy without work. (laughs) Okay? It requires some remembering. Okay? So the title of my message today is The Joyful Remember. Okay? We're going to look at my favorite book in the whole Bible, Joshua. I literally love it. So much so that it's really hard for me to speak messages out of it because there's just so much there that I could go a thousand different ways, so I'll just write a book about it or something. (laughs) All right, so here's a recap before we start getting into Joshua. So the Israelites were rescued by God who utilized Moses out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And then they were taken out of Egypt into the desert for 40 years. Thanks, God. Awesome. That journey should have taken about two weeks. However, we'll see in, you won't see, but if you go read your Bible, you will, Joshua 5, (laughs) that the intent of God doing that in those 40 years was to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Mm. So here they are in the middle of the desert, it's the end of the 40 years. Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land because of a few missteps involving a rock and a stick. (laughs) Again, go read your Bible. Joshua was to lead the next generation into the promised land because him and Caleb were full of faith that they could go take it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's giants in the land, but we can do this. So after a final look-see by Joshua's people in the land, they go, okay, it's time. Let's go. We're going to go take the promised land. So then we go to Joshua chapter 3 where we see God telling Joshua to prepare the Israelites to follow the Ark of the Covenant. At this time in the Old Testament... They didn't have the Holy Spirit. The veil was broken by Jesus who died on the cross, which gave us complete access to God at any moment through the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that, so they had this ark that they followed around that would show the way and that where God's glory resided, to the point where literally if someone touched it, they would die. Okay, so like God's glory is here, so that's why they're following this random Figurative piece of, not figurative, but real piece of wood in the middle of the desert. They're following the ark, okay? Uh, he tells Joshua that today is his official promotion day, and he's passing the baton from Moses to Joshua. This is God talking in front of the Israelites. So just watch and see, he says. Joshua tells Israel to get ready for the miracle because it's time to cross the Jordan. So we're going to pick up in Joshua three, 14. We're going to read quite a few verses here, so hang with me. Put it Turn into your Bibles if you have it on your phone or in front of you. In a book, Joshua three fourteen says this, When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. And water with flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan, the water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea was completely cut off and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. An entire nation. They just get to stand there holding this Ark while an entire nation passes through the Jordan. After the entire nation had finished crossing, crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, choose 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe and command them. Take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set down them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto your shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you, you should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites just did as Joshua had commanded them. The 12 men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. These stones are still there today. So the Lord had continued instructing Joshua. Remember in Joshua three, he said, okay, get, the, get them ready. They're gonna follow the Ark. I'm gonna show them that you are in charge. So he continues his instruction here telling Joshua, okay, after the miracle, we don't want you to forget the miracle. So, we're gonna build a memorial. We're gonna build a reminder. So my encouragement today is that we take some time to place some memorial stones in the places in our lives where we know that God has worked. That to cultivate joy in our lives, it's gonna take looking back and remembering. Some of us aren't very good about that. So we're gonna mark some territory today. We're gonna go ahead and set up some memorial stones. And I wanna let you know what that, those stones are gonna help do to encourage you in your joy. Right. So the first point is this, joyfulness is found when our memorial stones remind us of where our help has come from. Right. So as a child, I have like, quite a few moments where I knew that God had like, saved my life. And you might be like, how is that possible? Well, I'll tell you a story. I will tell you now. Um, <laughs> one time, I was probably two or three years old, riding my little tricycle, so I was probably like three, because I don't know many two-year-olds who can ride tricycles. Um, and I, we lived in Trailer Park, so houses like kind of close together, driveways, and um, kind of like now, every neighborhood. <laughs> but there's this lady next door who I was riding my tricycle behind her car. Well. She pulled out of her driveway fast enough that my tricycle, I got hit, tricycle went in the air, landed on the ground, and my dad heard the tricycle land and just screamed, stop. He didn't know what he was yelling at, just stop. I literally, her car tire ended up right here. If she would have gone any longer, one second longer, I would have had permanent damage, if not death. And so to me, the reason I can count that as a memorial stone and put a memorial stone there, is not because of necessarily just that moment, but because of the typical day she would have had pulling out of that driveway. Typically speaking, she would have gotten her car, cranked up her music, and drove out as fast as she can. She came back from, um, from that moment crying, sobbing, like that was not my normal way. She would have heard my father yell. She had no music on. She was pulling out slower than normal, and she knew that that was not normal so because of that I know that was not normal that was a God day That was a day where God was like no no you cannot take her not today Satan so here I am today and that is what I use often as a, a reminder when I am struggling with purpose or why I'm still here or are you even working God or finding joy God I can look back and see what you've done and where you helped me, where your literal hand of help came down and said, not today. There are moments like that in your life. Some of them may be really small and intangible and only you would know them. Others of them are so large, like that seems pretty large to me. But there are many other moments in my life that are the smaller, more intangible. But when I learn to be a person who remembers, I can mark, that moment with the memorial stone, whether it's small and seemingly insignificant or large. And that's where we gotta realize is, God, you came to my help today. Maybe you got a check in the mail this week that you didn't know was coming. God, you gave me help today. Mm. I always pray for that. Every time I go to my mailbox, I'm like, let there be a check in here. (laughs) One time I got a check from Wells Fargo, it was $6. (laughs) But I was like, thanks, I'll take it. So here, we're reminded several times in the Bible that God is our help. Isaiah forty-nine thirteen says, Shout for joy, you heavens. Earth, rejoice. Mountains break into joyful shouts. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Psalm 139, 5 says, You have encircled me. You have placed your hands on me. I've set up memorial stones in these memories, just like Samuel does in 1 Samuel 7:12. He says, afterward, Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, explaining, the Lord has helped us to this point. Yeah. See, when we remember where our help comes from, we can live lives full of joy. On, yeah. This joy gives us confidence to keep on going. Yeah. This has been my verse for the year. When I'm struggling with fear or feeling frustrated or feeling like it's really hard to find joy or I'm in the middle of a trial, Exodus 14, 14 says this, that the Lord will fight for you and you only need to be still. That's a promise of help. Where I don't have to work. I just got to be quiet. I mean, it is work for me to be quiet. So (laughs) still got to (laughs) work. That's it. I heard that amen, (laughs) misappropriate. (laughs) Um, But that's it, be quiet. What do you believe about your God? Do you believe he's the God who helps? Few more in case you're in a battle and you need reminding, Deuteronomy 1, 29, 30 says, so I said to you, don't be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. So remember these stories? They're your stories, too, because you are a part of that line. Yeah. Yeah. God did for Egypt what he did for Egypt when he parted the Red Sea. That's what this is referring back to. When he defeated the enemies back in Egypt, when he broke them out of slavery. Yeah. That's the promise. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Yeah. He's our God of help. Yeah. The Bible Um, talks about this idea of God's name being the Lord of armies or Lord of hosts. And it talks about it 393 times. 393 times we are promised that God is the Lord of armies. That whatever you see in front of you is not big enough or not too big for your God. That ultimately he is the Lord of hosts, which means angel power, like angels. Like he's got it all. And so we're fearing things that are right in front of us that are human, right, so often. We're in the middle of what we feel is the greatest crisis and God's like, do you not know who is on your side? There's actually like a song or something about that. The Lord of Angel Armies is on your side. That's probably a verse too. But that's my point. The Lord of Angel Armies is on your side. He is your help. Isn't that encouraging? Here's the other thing, Romans 15, 13 reminds us that in our hope, he is our hope. He's our help, he's our hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope fills you with joy and peace. When you believe in him, just like it said back in that story, when you trust Jesus, there's no dreary days. They end. Yeah, yeah. But I will always put a song in your heart. Yeah. I will always give you joy. I will always give you peace so that you will overflow with hope. That's right. So That's how when we go to a trial, we can go, oh, haha, I have hope. I have joy. I have Jesus. Yeah. We're good here. Yeah. We can understand that actually the, the trial can be an encouragement. I must be doing something right. Let's see how we can do this. Let's see how God shows up in this moment. Let's see what the memorial stone's gonna be today about how he helped me. The second point is this. Joyfulness is found when our memorial stones remind us of the promises of our future. So there's a story in Genesis of this ridiculous guy named Jacob. He was a schemer and a deceiver, but he was also a huge part of God's plan. He was the legacy of Israel. Genesis 35, verse 9 says this, God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Paddan Aram. That's like Hunger Games style. (laughs) And he had blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation indeed, an assembly of nations will come from you and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, and I will give the land to your future descendants. Then God withdrew from him at the place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker, a memorial stone. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Jacob named the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. See, memorial stones remind us of God's promises. And God's promises lead us to hearts full of joy. And here's the thing. You hear this story about Jacob, but this is your promise too. Because we are literal descendants of Israel. Like we are grafted in to this legacy. This is our promise. That kings would come out of us. That nations would bow Mm. in front of us. In front of the Lord of armies. That we would be fruitful and multiply and that doesn't just mean go have more babies okay but that we would be a people who are fruitful in our lives that we would have multiplication in our lives that that's a promise of God so when you're stuck in the middle of your trial and you're feeling quite frustrated you can remember your promise even if that's the only one you have to go all the way back to if you have to go all the way back to Genesis 35 to figure out your promise that's fine Free gift to you today, Genesis 35, here you go. (laughs) But you have them. And the more you seek to remember, the more you seek to mark the memorial stones when it happens, when an event happens that God pulls you out of, when he helps you, when he gives you a promise, when you mark that area like Jacob did about Bethel. Today my name was changed. Mark it. Remember it. The more you do that, the more you'll find, oh, he's always telling me his promises oh he's always helping me see my um, children each one of them is a is a memorial stone in its own right you might think how is that possible well each of them literally was given their names by God cannot make it up every story is super unique Every story interrupted, like, my cool name. God said, no, that's not, not his name. His name's Justice. It's also cool, so I appreciate him, like, valuing that. I wanted that. <laughs> but each one of them, memorial stones. Yeah. I go back, and I look at their story, and I look at how they became who they are, and how he said, this is Justice's name, and this is Shiloh's name, and this is Eliana's name, and that one I fought with a little bit because I was like, this is too pretty for me. I don't, I don't know. And I don't want her called Ellie sorry if there's any Ellie's in the room I just didn't want her called Ellie and so I really fought with that one like till the last day but God's no I gave that to you like two years ago it's happening and so each one has their memorial stone so now we're getting into the teenagers and so I had to go back and remember (laughs) that God gave them a name and that's what I just need to stand on that name this is your name. We're going to stick with this name. This is who you are. This is how I'll pray for you. You will get there eventually. You will fulfill your namesake. <laughs> but it's important to set up the memorial stones in our lives so that we can remember the promise. Yes. Each of my children have promises yes. on them. Yes. Each of their names are significant. God created them. God named them. God already placed the memorial stone to go back to and say, oh, remember that day where you fought with me about that? Well, this is their name. This is why. Okay. I concede. Third thing is this. Joyfulness is found when our memorial stones remind us and future generations of what has been done. See, our memorial stones aren't just about us. They tell future generations the story of who our God is which brings joy and ultimately hope, as mentioned back in Romans, to future generations. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't have this nice Bible where you can literally like pick the color, pick the translation, engrave your name. They didn't have that. They had to know how their God was, who their God was, the nature and character of their God by the story. They had to be told, hey, so this one time, like Joshua 4, 6 through 7 says, this one time, there was this Jordan River, and it was really big. You can read about how big it was. Oh, no, you can't. I have to tell you. So it was, like, really big, and God, like, put it up in a wall, and then there was dry ground, and then we all, two million plus of us, marched through a dry ground. God did that for us, so we wouldn't have to go around. That's was pretty nice to get us access just to the promised land. He did that. That's how they told stories. In the Bible, they told stories in such a way that they created festivities around the entire story. It was not some small moment where I could just read Joshua 4, 6 through 7 and says, so that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, blah. They told the story. And the reality is, if you have not marked the story, and if you had not marked it with a memorial stone that says, hey, this is what God did for me. I gotta be able to take Eliana back to the memorial stone of my life where, hey, when I was three years old, I almost died in a car accident. But I didn't, because God had great purpose for me, and He had promise for me, and He had intention for me. And my breath wasn't to leave my lungs yet because he had purpose. And I can take Shiloh back to her name when she's frustrated, which is often because she's 10 and a girl. And I could say, hey, your name is his gift. So when you're struggling with friendships, come on back here, he said you're a gift. And Justice, I don't know, go talk to your dad. He, I'm sure he has something for you. But we gotta mark the story. We have to mark the memorial stone so we can take the next generation back and remember who God is. So that in the middle of the seasons that we're in that are so hard and everything looks chaotic, we can go, here's this firm foundation that we experienced. Here's the roots where God did something. Here's what I know about my God. I know he's helped me. I know he gave me promise. I know he brought me out of the slavery that I was in. So I can tell you all about my God's character based on that and that will produce joy in our children and in future generations. So as we go into this next season, I just wanna encourage you to write it down. Take note. Maybe it's been a while or you've forgotten And it's like, gosh, I really gotta stir some stuff up. I gotta stir up some joy in me. So I gotta go remember what God did. Maybe it's a small word of encouragement that someone gave you that you just sort of breezed by. And God was like, that was supposed to be a memorial stone. Your whole life should have changed there. That's when I changed you from Jacob to Israel. So you gotta go back and figure that out. But I wanna encourage you with one other thing or warn you rather. We have to be careful where we put our memorial stones. Some of us have put our memorial stones before the miracle. So some of us are still Jacob, but we have already experienced the miracle to become Israel. Some of us were victimized, so our memorial stones were placed there. And we cannot get out of the victimization because we're not recognizing that God still saved us. Even if it just means that we had breath for another day, He saved us. Even if it just means that, that we were able to forgive someone, He healed us. But the problem is if we put our memorial stones in the wrong place, we get trapped in the wrong thing. And the thing we keep going back to is like where God didn't work. Yeah, but you're still here. Yeah, but then after that experience, he came into your life and interrupted it and he named you something else, like free. There's addicts in the room who are still calling themselves alcoholics. And I just want to encourage you. I know that things are tempting. I know that when you're addicted to something, it's hard to break it. But in the name of Jesus Christ, who literally rise up and from the grave, to defeat death and enslavery and sin and entanglement, you are redeemed from that addiction. And you can now simply be your name in Jesus Christ. You are not any longer known by attic, you are now known free. So be careful where you put your memorial stones, or you'll go back to the wrong place. And you'll continue in this pattern unintentionally, the pattern of victim, the pattern of addict, the pattern of just lost, the pattern of depressed, the pattern of suicidal, the pattern of broken and devastated. But God didn't come to leave you there. He came to free you from that, to break it off of you so that you could cross the Jordan on dry ground, see his miracle, and put down the memorial stones and remember that he saved you from things you think are irredeemable, things you think are irreplaceable that you could never go back and fix. Listen, God redeemed you from that thing. You don't have to stay entangled in it. You just need to accept it. You need to know, okay, no, I'm not going back to that. Nope, I'm not going back to that. This is who I am. This is who I will remain to be. And I will not go back to the wrong memorial stone, but rather I'm marking one today that I am reminded that I am free, I am a child of God, and I have the Lord of armies on my side so I don't have to stay defeated. So I just want to encourage you, make sure you put your memorial stones in the right place. See, joy is found in the remembering and the retelling of what God has done. Some of us are busy retelling the wrong story. We're being, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying your story isn't valuable. I've told my story many times, but it's always from a place of redeemed. It's not from a place of still there. So we have to be mindful of where, where we're taking people to, where we're taking our generation behind us back to. Has 2020 been super hard in 2021? Yeah. Did I like it at all? No. Are there things in it though? We're going to talk about this at Favorite Things, so sign up now. Are there things in it that I can remember and mark as memorial stones 100%? More things in it that are memorial stones than ones that were before the miracle, if that makes sense. So I just want to pray for a few of you today. I want to pray for those of you who maybe you're stuck in that place, in that place where you're Like you just keep producing unhealth in your mind and you keep going back to the wrong memory or the wrong moment and you just still haven't found freedom from it. You're still struggling with addiction because you're still claiming you're addicted. Whatever it is, I just wanna pray for those of you today that are in the room that are struggling with that and pray that today would be a day that you can actually put up some memorial stones that say no, I am redeemed, I am free, I am no longer Jacob. And then for the others of you in the room that maybe you just never even said yes to Jesus, today can be that day where you mark stones that say, that is when I became free, that is when I became redeemed, that is when I found my savior, that is when I found the hope that is promised in Romans 15, 13, which produces joy and peace because my God gives it to me. So today's your day to say yes to him to surrender your life to Jesus who ultimately was sent to die on the cross for your sins that you might have life in him.